1: Hello and welcome to Colonels. I'm Christopher Houghton, culture editor here at The Independent, or just Game of Thrones man, it feels like my uh, title should be lately, given how all consuming this show is becoming. Like, I think pretty much anyone who uses the internet, even rarely, probably knows how big the show is and how talked about it is. But in the world of film and TV journalism, oh boy, it is enormous. It's probably bigger. It probably becomes bigger for content providers than the Oscars or the Super Bowl. You know, there's just this huge, huge appetite for it among readers. We have these big screens up in the office that kind of show you, you know, what stories are most people reading right now. And Game of Thrones is just always up there, like several articles. It's crazy. People just want to read. They want to theorize about it. They want to know what's coming up. It's really quite incredible. It's more popular than any show I think has come before. Obviously, part of that's how much the internet's become embedded in the conversation now, which probably wasn't the case with some, you know, with shows a long time ago, but even with something like Breaking Bad, um, it was never this big. So it's been a lot of my, a lot of my time recently, you know, which I don't begrudge. I like the show. I don't love it. Um, I enjoy covering it. I enjoy my my Sunday night graveyard shifts. My watch. I'll be probably be a little bit sad actually when it's uh, gone in three weeks' time, as it's a shorter season than usual. But yeah, crazy couple of weeks. But around, even in around that kind of huge mainstream. Topic, I've been fitting in a few films. Um one actually I saw a little while ago now, but um finally getting a release this week is a ghost story, which I interviewed director David Lowry for and I wasn't originally gonna use for kernels. Um but kind of listening back to our conversation, I felt that it was right and that we got down to some interesting stuff, not only in terms of how the production was put together, but the kind of philosophical underpinnings to it as well. So as far as juxtapositions go for two films done back to back they don't get much more bizarre than this so uh david directed pete's dragon um a disney animation you know millions of dollars aimed at kids all that kind of thing and then off the back of that he made this film a ghost story which is micro budget funded literally just by him and his friends didn't really tell anyone he was making it kind of text Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck and like do you want to be in it and they were like yeah so they just went to this little house in the middle of nowhere and made this crazy film and it first came to my attention it I think it first showed at Sundance and uh I noticed that Variety had written a piece about it talking about how it wasn't a straightforward horror movie and it was if anything more of a conceptual experiment that would be better suited to a museum setting and they also mentioned that Casey Affleck acts from beneath a bedsheet pretty much the entire movie. And that there's one scene in which Rooney Mara slowly eats a piece of pie for four minutes in silence. I was immediately like, huh, okay. I, whenever I see something like that, it's like, I always want to see it. You know, it could be it could be terrible, but I know it's going to interest me. Something's there. Someone's tried to do something there. They've had like a, an out there idea and they've committed it to film and they're hoping that it's going to amount to... An impactful viewing experience so i always try and get along to films like that and it was it is an interesting film i mean in spite of the name a ghost story and uh, if you've seen any of the posters around town of a ghost you know it's actually it's not remotely a horror and the synopsis for it is as follows in this singular exploration of legacy love loss and the enormity of existence a recently deceased white-sheeted ghost returns to his suburban home to try to reconnect with his bereft wife so, it's definitely more of a drama, but as the variety piece noted, more like an art film, really. It's not a huge amount of dialogue. And it's just a real oddity. It was shot in 133 1 aspect ratio, which is kind of almost square, really. And then the square has the edges rounded. So, it's kind of like a bit like viewing the whole thing through an old VHS camcorder. And it's just quite gutsy in how it takes its time and how it has a lot of shots that uh, go on, you know, well past a minute without cutting. And that takes a lot of confidence to do that and not be tempted to, you know, to need to switch it up to keep people's attention. It also has one of the main things that stood out to me is a kiss in it that I swear to God is the most intimate moment I've seen in a long time in film. Even though there's no sex, no nudity whatsoever, you basically kind of voyeuristically witness Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck who play the couple kind of getting into bed and kissing in a way where it's like, okay, is this like a good night i'm going to sleep kiss or is this like we're gonna have sex kiss and this is something me and david talk about and it is like acted brilliantly like they've done it absolutely perfectly and and kind of nailed that in a way nailed maybe a wrong choice of words here but that i've not seen in a film before so scenes like that made me think there's a there's an intelligent guy behind this um an emotional guy so i i caught up with him and as i say i, I didn't think it was going to be for the podcast so i didn't go with the uh the most high-spec equipment. I recorded it on my iPhone, so uh, apologies about that. And also for the fact that um, in the room where we were in this hotel, some other guys in the room decided to deconstruct a kind of filming setup that was in the room. So <laughs> for the entirety of uh, our conversation, there's a little, little noise in the background that just sounds like someone's like making a kid's diorama or erecting an activity set. Hopefully it won't be too uh, distracting, but it's just forewarning anyway. And also in terms of forewarnings, like this isn't obviously the really the kind of film with a lot of spoilers. You know, it's uh, it's not all about the uh, the action and the plot as such. But there is kind of, there's not twists, but there is kind of big moments towards the ending, and one of them we discussed right at the end of the interview. So I've stuck a little bit of elevator muzak just before his answer for like ten seconds in case you wanna end things there and maybe return to it after you've had a chance to see the film. Which for a very very small budget bizarre bizarre piece of cinema i'm glad to say it's going to make it to a few cinemas i think so have a look online and see if it's uh, see if it's showing anywhere near you all right thanks hope you enjoy and uh see you in another couple of weeks when i think we'll have well bar some enormous entertainment act of god that we have to address we'll have uh ethan hawke on the show cool so this is david lowry yeah so congrats on the film michael saw it a couple of days ago thank so, you yeah i really liked it I was thinking while I was watching it uh, how, like, it was kind of ballsy on your part because in so many, like, creative things, whether it's music or film, there's always so much pressure to make things, like, shorter. Everyone's like, yeah, that's great, but can we make it more concise? Yeah. you really stuck to your guns in terms of being like, this is going to be a three-minute shot.
0: I mean, a lot of those shots were written into the script with the running times attached to them so that everyone would know going into it that that (laughs) was the shape this movie would take.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, what did the... I was thinking about that with the screenplay, like, it obviously it must have been really short.
0: Yeah, it was, at its longest, probably like 35 pages, but that included a lot of, like, alternate scenes that I just had on, had written down, just in case we might want to shoot them. So, yeah, the first draft was 10 pages, the second draft was 30, and it was it never got too far beyond that.
1: Did that make it, like, more difficult to sell the idea to, you know, to, to cast into everyone, really, when there's not so much for them to draw on, only kind of what you've got on a scant kind of few pages?
0: No, because the the benefit of making this movie the way we made it was that it was it was designed to be made with just friends. With 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 people who I would not have to explain it to. Yeah. And luckily Casey and Rooney trust me and I know that Rooney read the script because we talked about it and whether or not Casey ever did, I have no idea. <laughs> I have a feeling he may not have. Um, I really? just text, I texted him and asked him if he wanted to come be in a weird movie, and he said, sure, and then he came. And I, I mean, I know he eventually read it because he had dialogue and stuff, but, yeah. but I don't know at what point in the process. I, I, I know that he said yes before you read it. Yeah, I don't
1: know at what point he realized he'd be like under a sheet for <laughs> I think
0: I included that in a text message, but I don't know if he really believed it until he got there. Yeah, until <laughs> yeah. we started sending him pictures of the costume. <laughs>
1: Was it like uh, important for you that he be under the sheet and not ever be a double? That he actually be there in every scene?
0: It was initially, um, but it became less so as the shoot went on. And there are certain scenes uh, that we knew going into it where there was, you know, going to be a, a shot of him with the ghost in the same shot, and mm-hmm. that would be somebody, somebody else. And we realized that I needed the, that the ghost worked best when the personality was subtracted from it that if you saw too much of the human underneath the ghost costume it ceased to be ethereal and became merely a person with a sheet draped over their head. Yeah. And so um, early on his performance was coming through the sheet quite predominantly. It was very it was very uh, noticeable. It was noticeably him under the it's sheet. Interesting
1: cuz you would think that would be a positive. Yeah, I thought it would be. that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I was
0: that's what I was going for, but but the ghost just wasn't working. And then we realized that removing the personality from the ghost made the ghost work. And so ultimately we had to do some reshoots and some pickups later on down the line and, and he wasn't under the sheet for those, but yeah. it was fine because we had already reached that point when we realized that the performance mattered less than just the shape of the ghost in the room.
1: Yeah. I was really taken with the um, scene quite early on where after they wake up in the night and then get back in bed and like they're kissing. Yeah. And like. Even though there's no sex in it, it seems so unbelievably intimate. Yes. Because it like it's on the boundary between like kind of a sleepy kiss, but also a little bit sexual at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. It, the way
0: it was described in the screenplay, which was all the direction I gave to them, was um, they begin to make out, the type of making out that could lead to sex, but in this case, leads to them just falling asleep. Yeah. And that's, that's I was just like, just do that, and yeah. uh, and that's what they did. And watching it was. It felt like we were watching something we shouldn't have been seeing Absolutely, on set yeah. because it was so intimate and and they have such great chemistry that you just really believe it and i they didn't really fall asleep but you know we kept shooting after they had drifted off to to sleep and, and we, we kept relaying the cameras roll and it was just like it was so hypnotic to watch yeah and i knew right then like i was like okay that's gonna be the whole takes going in the movie yeah
1: really so good at that kind of role like i saw song to song recently the, oh yeah yeah it's a similar kind of vibe she's good at like Doing this kind of wistful, yes, romance exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and what was it? Um, I think there were very few people who would have gone from a film like *Peace Dragon* to a, a film like this. How did that like happen? And, and was your agent everyone kind of like, oh, okay?
0: <laughs> we didn't tell anyone we were making this movie. My agent knew it a certain right before we started shooting. He became aware of it, but um, we just wanted to make it in secret so that no one would be expecting it. I. And, Part of the reason was a safety measure, so in case the movie was a failure, <laughs> or in case it was just too goofy, yeah. uh, we could bury it and no one would be worried about it. Um, but going from Pete's Dragon to this was not a calculated move, it was just, it, it felt right. It felt like a move. this was a movie that I wanted to make, and I had the time to make it after a long time spent focusing on Pete's Dragon, and so I just jumped into it. Mm-hmm. And I don't really differentiate between Large and small scale films. I mean, they they all demand different things, but at the end of the day, the process is exactly the same. And if it's something that I can get personally invested in, it's you know that's all that matters to me. And this was something that I was incredibly personally invested in. It was not a there was no one asking for this movie other than myself. So it was just something I, I wanted to put out into the world, and uh, and so I just decided to go ahead and do it. But yeah. But to me, like, it's just as much of a, you know, I'm just as proud of this film, as Pete's Dragon as I am of this film. Like, I don't differentiate between them based on one being a studio movie and one being independent. This one's not any less, more or less personal than that one, but it definitely is more handmade, and that's something that does appeal to me. Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.
1: It must have been a nice, like, vibe on set, then if it was kind of secret and just friends doing, almost like calling in a favor and it was just, it must seem quite, like, low-key. It
0: was. There was a lo- there was a there wasn't a lot of pressure because we were we had a lot of freedom to experiment and to try things out. And, you know, my friends and I paid for the movie ourselves and we, you know, again, made it without telling anybody. So there was no one, no one knew what we were doing. You know, word got out that we were making something, but a lot of people thought we were just making a short film or yeah. uh, just, you know, just shooting something for fun. And, and there was no, there was, there was, absolutely no pressure to deliver something or to, to have a movie that was in you know that looked a certain way or that felt a certain way or there was a certain running time it was just it was, the, the freedom was was really wonderful and at the same time the movie itself was really hard to make it was not an easy film to shoot and there was a lot of stress involved in it and uh, and so if thankfully we had that freedom because like every day I would you know wake up just wondering if the movie was going to work. If the ghost was going to be a disaster or not, <laughs>
1: I, yeah. I just didn't know. If you must if, have those memories. Like, why the fuck did I choose a ghost? There was, like literally, that? yeah. Literally,
0: I was like, I was like, this is a stupid idea. Yeah. Why has no one pulled the plug? And the reason was because I was the only one that could pull the plug, and I just kept doing it. <laughs> yeah. And so, so it was stressful, but at the same time, it was very, it was very exciting and fun and liberating, and and it was. It was, you know, I, I kind of had the idea that I'd make this film as a summer vacation and it was a, the most stressful vacation imaginable, but at the same time it was exactly what I needed to do after making Peace Dragon.
1: Yeah. Is it, do you get kind of more anxious about whether or not it's going to come together because of the fact that it's the kind of film that comes together in the edit so much that you need the music there and actually on set, is it diffi- more difficult to kind of think, I've got a film here, it's going to work, or...?
0: You know, it's, this one was particularly unique and it was all because of that ghost. You know, I can pretty quickly ascertain whether or not something is working, or whether a, you know, whether I'll be able to find it in the edit suite, or if it's working on set. You know, I, I, I've got a pretty good eye for that type of thing, and and I know how to, you know, work within my comfort zone uh, in almost every regard. But this ghost took me out of that comfort zone every single day because it was just such a high concept idea, yeah. and when dealing with such a high concept idea you're always running the risk of failure. And I just couldn't tell if it would work or not. It was yeah. just so hard to, to, to look at the, you know, the, look at the ghost in front of us on set or look at it through the camera and through the lens and, and determine whether or not it would hold up for an entire film, an entire running time. Yeah. Now anything with Casey and Rooney was fine. Like the scene of them in bed together, I knew that that was a, a scene that I would wanna go see in a movie. I was like, great, we've got that. Her, all the scenes of her by herself, I was 100% on board and knew that those would work. But as soon as that ghost would enter, I just wouldn't be able to tell if it, if it could yeah. hold up. Like, cause he needed to work for the entire running time of the film for the film to work, and, and I couldn't tell. So it wasn't until we were, you know, well into production I started to assemble things together that I kind of got a little bit of relief from that and started to see how, how he would function in, in the movie as a whole. As opposed to on a scene by scene basis. And once I realized that he was working, and once we figured out how to shoot him the best way, you know, like once we realized that removing that performance from underneath the sheet helped sell the concept, uh, I began to breathe a little easier.
1: Yeah. So I was thinking while watching it that you never, when you have like a ghost in a film, you never really think about them and uh, the fact that they're usually tragic characters who are haunting because they've had some terrible calamity in their life. That was kind of an interesting area
0: to explore. It's always uh, always from the perspective of the humans who are being haunted, which is why most haunted house movies are scary, because it is a kind of creepy concept. But as soon as you switch perspectives and start paying attention to the story from the point of view of the ghost, it gets uh, an entirely new dimension. If you think about... um, like the Conjuring 2 for example which i loved i thought that was a terrific yeah. movie if you thought about that from the perspective of the ghost it's pretty depressing and sad and and probably has a lot of boredom in it so yeah, yeah so i kind of wanted to to attack the haunted house genre from that perspective and see what it yielded
1: yeah it's interesting as well like when the the family moves into the home it seems particularly sad and it kind of reminded me of like when you move out of your childhood home or something and then you drive back past the like down the road yeah. and you see like a family eating dinner in there and even though it's all above what, it feels almost like disrespectful in a way, like they' they're in my house you still have they're trespassing, yeah, yeah
0: yeah, absolutely i and I do that I, like just the other night, I drove past my old house in Texas and uh and it just felt strange to see a different car in the driveway. I haven't lived there in over two years now, and it was still very disconcerting to see someone else having made my home their home yeah and and those feelings are uh a big part of what led to making this film uh I wanted to make a movie about physical spaces and the attachment that we have to them and how they become so personal to us because that's something I find in my own life. I'm a very nostalgic person. I'm very sentimental and I get really attached to the homes I live in. Mm. And I've never lived in anyone aside from the one I grew up in with my, my parents for that long. So I've got a whole laundry list of houses and apartments that I have very strong feelings towards. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I read in the uh, production list that the idea came about right from you kind of wanting to maybe leave your house though and your wife like wanting to stay in Texas. It was vice versa. By she person, wanted yeah. she wanted to
0: leave, I wanted to stay. Yeah. And um Who won that? <laughs> she did. I mean we needed to meet we had to leave anyway because I was gonna go do Pete's Dragon and yeah. um and the we were trying to decide whether we'd keep the house and she would stay and I'd travel back and forth or whether we'd just all move and we ultimately all moved and uh, But then we moved back, so we both won <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it came, it came about we had a big argument over it And it was one of those arguments that in the moment I was I remember saying this feels like a scene from a movie And so I wrote it down and uh, all of Casey and Rene's dialogue pretty much comes from that
1: Yeah, with the end, um, the the pie scene that's like become like the big headline like from it like, Yes <laughs> <laughs> Um. How many takes did you have to do, and how did like Rooney feel about it, and like how did it all go down?
0: It, uh, it, was, it
1: looked intense to like, because you know, yeah, there was, there was not even any cheating because there were so few cuts, so she really had to smash a lot. There's
0: of one cut, and the first yeah. the first shot we did two takes of, but in that shot she only takes like two bites, and then we cut, and then the second one where she ate the whole thing um, was just one take, and we knew it would be one take. We did just, you
1: like go out of your way to get a delicious pie so it'd make it nicer?
0: <laughs> she. Told me before we shot it that she had never had pie in her life before. Really? I don't believe her, but maybe it's true. Either way, she uh, was very nervous about it because she doesn't eat a lot of sweets, doesn't eat sugar. She's vegan, so am I, so that's fine. And uh, and so I had one of my friends, my producer, who's also a chef. He made a, a vegan pie with that was gluten-free and had very very little sugar in it. And. She still said it was disgusting, but I tasted it and I was like it's pretty good. I, I would eat it. I love pie though. So it's it's <laughs> it's pretty good it's, enough to eat like 75% of yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I know she was nervous about doing it just because it was I she just was wasn't anticipating enjoying it. She like doesn't <laughs> doesn't like eating sweets. So that yeah, yeah. that would be the uh the problem but in terms of like uh bringing out the emotional quality of the scene. I think that discomfort actually Made that scene even better because she wasn't supposed to be enjoying it. She's yeah. she's grief eating, and so that just made it a little bit more uh, believable.
1: Yeah, thinking about like the kind of the philosophy behind the movie a little bit more, like the whole idea of like motivation in the face of futility. Yes. Something I like, definitely like struggle with a lot, and from time to time I kind of get into space where I'm kind of thinking like why am I really doing this? Here? Yeah. Okay, so so it does really well. I'm really pleased with it. It's really acclaimed. People enjoy it. It means something to them. That still ultimately all doesn't...
0: mean It doesn't mean how, anything. Yeah. yeah.
1: And how do you, like, do you get those... Do you have those worries as well or have you managed to kind of overcome that?
0: This movie was my way of trying to deal with it. I get, you know, th- those thoughts keep me up at night. I get very stressed out about them. I get depressed about them. I'll get, like, <laughs> I get to the point where I don't want to get out of bed. And... I think they're pretty universal. I, I mean, yeah. to some degree or another, I'm sure everyone has contemplated their place in the universe and and the 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 meaningless uh, <laughs> the meaningless aspect of human life that uh when you think about you know the the grand scheme of things, that nothing really matters that much um, if you believe in the afterlife, then maybe it matters a little bit more, but if you don't, then you got abs- absolutely nothing in the in the grand scheme of things. And that makes it, it for, for a certain type of person, that can make it really hard to, to get up in the morning. And sometimes I'm that person. So this movie was a way for me to not address those problems, but just to recognize them. And kind of lay out my thoughts on it and give myself some time to make sense of it. Yeah. A big part of the film is just spending time uh, doing nothing so you have time to actually think and come to terms with things so like you know the character in the movie maybe never comes to terms with his fate in the universe but by spending that time with them it allows us to yeah to contemplate it and maybe get a better grasp on our own feelings on that matter
1: i was thinking as well that you kind of need to approach it and not think about too much about having made something and actually just the fact that you can enjoy the moment like presumably when you're on set and making that and when you're out there that's like a a lot of joy happening there yeah the process process, you're focusing on
0: the process I mean it's a very you know almost cliched Zen concept of like enjoying the moment you know and and that but it's true I think that you know it's a cliche because it's true and it is something that I try to be mindful of I try to be more focused I try to be more Mm -hmm. present in my day to day life on a moment to moment basis because ultimately that's what we've got. Yeah. And I want to make the most of it.
1: Just like finally, and I probably like, I won't use this quote until people have had a chance to like really watch the movie, but the note at the end. Yeah. Did you ever think about what it says?
0: I thought a lot about what it would say. Rooney wrote down something on the paper, and I was like, just write whatever you want. You know, we won't see it. It's, uh, the camera's too far away. And, and she, I, I have an idea of what she wrote, but then when we shot the ghost opening it and reading it, we shot it blank, with, and then we were like, okay, we will digitally add something later on so we can decide exactly what it's going to say later. And then when I was cutting it, I just realized it didn't matter. Like, there was nothing that we could put on there that would be meaningful enough to an yeah. audience to justify its inclusion. It would be too on the nose. It'd be, it would yeah. either be on the nose or it would be too abstract. Yeah. And it would just be a bad note to end the movie on, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we just left it out. And I had, I had ideas of what I'd put on it, and none of them matter because it's better to just not know. Yeah. And ultimately it doesn't matter to him either. It's, like, it's more about the, the process of just... Finding it and recognizing that it doesn't matter, and then moving on.
1: That's what I was. Yeah, I was wondering, like, what what is it about the note that makes that frees him from that that kind of loop? Is it just the the fact that something has been placed that has no.
0: It's it's realizing that that sentimental attachment doesn't matter because whatever she's leaving behind is pure sentimentality. Mm. It's not. it's not a note for him. It's not a note for anybody other than for her to leave behind and feel attached to a place. So it's a hundred percent a sentimental affectation, and those things ultimately aren't that important. I try. To, I'm, I'm a very nostalgic person. I'm a very sentimental person, and I recognize that those things can hold me back, and that letting go of those things, letting go of my nostalgic attachment to the, you know, the. the places or things of my youth that I feel attached to uh, can help me move on in life. Like those are things that like, are, are sometimes important to let go of. And yeah. so that's what is happening at the end of this film is the character, the Casey's character is, is realizing that it doesn't matter. And once he comes to that realization, he can move on to the, whatever the next plane of existence is, whatever yeah. that may be, and, and the movie's over.
1: Oh, thanks think so, man. Thank you. Yeah, and what are you um, working on next? Do you Do
0: you know? Yet? I don't know. This is the first time in a long time where I don't have a project, that right, or like
1: I'm ready to jump
0: into. I just finished shooting another movie, and so yeah. I'm editing that. And uh, other than that, I'm just gonna spend some time writing and trying to come up with some, some new ideas and we'll see what happens.
1: Cool. Oh, well, good luck with everything. Thank and, uh, you. Yeah, enjoy. The really appreciate day. it. <laughs> right, that was David Lowry, director of a ghost story. I hope you enjoyed that. I felt like. We got down to some some deeper kind of shit there, which is hard when you go into a room with a stranger and you have no time for kind of slowly getting to know someone. You just got to go straight in and you suddenly find yourself talking about the shit that keeps you up at night and makes you sad. Um, but I think we got there, which was nice. And yeah, if you make it to a ghost story this week, let us know what you make of the film. Uh, we're on Twitter at Colonel's and on Instagram at Colonel's Podcast. And if you get a chance to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast you know that's massively massively helpful I know that sounds like a thing that just like you're meant to say but it it genuinely does get this help us get this out to more people so it would be great and we'd love to hear from you you know I'm on Twitter at Christophe Houten not Christopher just purely because I couldn't fit in the ER not because I have some kind of French lineage and yeah any questions or any suggestions are more than welcome so yeah hit us up alright thanks again and I'll see you in another couple of weeks